Hello, 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 and welcome to There's This Thing at Work, the podcast where we delve into the workplace issues that are usually swept under the carpet. We're here so you can stop listening to your friends, partners, and parents telling you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Tough situations need honest and direct answers, and in There's This Thing at Work, our panel of people experts are going to find them. everyone and welcome to another episode of There's This Thing at Work. My name is Charlotte Hamill and with me today on our wise and wonderful panel of people professionals, I have Tom Frain, Rajiv Day and April Williams. Hi guys! Hey! So lovely to have you all. Um, Before we get started, I always want to make sure that everyone is appropriately introduced. So uh, we'll do the usual name and role, but also as an extra tidbit, um, I'd love a one-liner on your leadership style. So uh, I'll go first to set set the tone, but... um, Hopefully it'll all be fairly obvious. Uh, so uh, my name is Charlotte Hamill. I am a COO at Born Social. And I would say my leadership style could be described as um, being your biggest cheerleader, but I will also be your harshest critic. Um, that, and I also hate a pity party. Really don't like them. It's like, right, off we go. Let's let's solve this and sort this out and stop pitying ourselves. So yeah, don't invite me to those. Um, right, who is going to go next? Raj? So I'll jump in. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Rajiv Day, the founder and CEO of Learnably. My leadership style, I would say, is one of being an eternal optimist. So you can always count on me to see the very best in any situation. Um, I might sprinkle a little bit of pity in there if you want, uh, try and kind of lift up the spirits and mood. Uh, but yeah, you can count on me for some positivity. Oh, I love that. That's that's lovely. Uh, who's next? April? I'll go next. Uh, my name is April Williams. I'm founder of Candid and also HR and talent consultant. Um, talking on the pity party, I will coach you through that pity party. So I don't like a pity party myself, but I'll help you get through it. So I would say my leadership style is coaching. Oh, Babs, we've got no pity parties, the eternal optimist and the coach. Tom, what are you bringing? <laughs> yeah, my turn. I'm Tom Brain. I'm the chief people officer at Bulb. Um, I guess I, I like to be a thinking partner for the people that I manage. And through that thinking, you, you kind of hope that you help people realise they're capable of more than they thought they were when you started working together. Um, and I probably like nothing more than like rolling my sleeves up and getting into a, into a problem with you. Fantastic. I, I'm not sure about pity parties. I don't think I've ever attended one. So um, you guys can have to invite me. Yeah, I can have a pity party if you want. <laughs> great. That's great, guys. Um, super helpful perspective for our listeners, I think. And hopefully our, maybe our different approach will resonate with, with how they tend to feel about things or approach things too. So uh, hopefully that is a bit of useful context before we get into our very tricky thing at work. So is everyone ready for it? Let's go for it. Okay. Um, so today's thing at work is that my CEO isn't leading by example. What do I do? So, so tough because... I think there are so many variable factors in this one, whether it's the personality of the CEO, the company culture, your access and relationship with them. Um, But generally, managing up is really hard because the consequences 
feel huge, right, of getting it wrong. Um, so this is make, it makes it super juicy, and I'm sure um, not this person is not alone. And I'm sure other people have had similar experiences. Um, before we come on to the good advice um, and covering what we should be doing, I'd love to start with the common unhelpful thing that we see people do in these situations. Uh, so, yeah, what, what do we want to advise people not to do in this situation? Who, who wants to kick us off? April, do you have some thoughts to kick us off with? I have loads of thoughts going through my head. The first thing of not to do is have that water cooler conversation where you've probably had a really bad interaction with your CEO and the first thing you want to do is talk about it, right? You want to vent. So you go, let's say lunchtime, and you have that heated conversation with your peers and you are saying everything, you're speaking from emotions, basically. So you're not being logical. Everything is right heated right from the moment emotions talking so that's the first thing not to do reason being is because as I said you're speaking from emotions so sometimes you do have to take the step back and actually reflect and at that point reflecting on are you actually dealing with a bad boss personally or actually or are you dealing with a tough situation so it may have been an encounter where they're giving you constructive feedback and you might not taking it the right way. So you're you're working on emotions at that point. So taking a step back and thinking through, are you dealing with the situation or the person before actually thinking of your next steps on how you can rebuild that relationship that you have or just resolve the issue? So, yeah, no water cooler conversations, first and foremost. Yeah, because you also can't take those conversations back once you've said it and it's been heard. (laughs) Once it's out there, it stays there. Yeah. Tom, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm going to build on April's saying, which is which is like, don't jump straight in. Um, So I think this I think this question suggests that this is a bigger issue than just needing to give your CEO some like in the moment feedback, which is a part of all of our jobs. Obviously, we need to use our judgment, right? When you if it's just a bit of in-the-moment feedback that you need to give, then obviously jump in and give it. If what you're looking at is something that is that is bigger and not leading by example, feels like it's quite a big conversation for you to have, I would say you need to not jump in and you need to step back using the language that you used, April, and try and like fully get your head around the situation. Um, and probably adding a little bit to what you were saying about the water cooler conversation. It's quite easy in these situations if you're a people person to over empathize sometimes so to like um to get really involved in a report that a single person has given you um and then to again you're kind of jumping on that so so my my watch out there would be still make sure you step back and make sure you're looking at the whole picture um before you prepare for whatever conversation you need to have yeah that's that's a really great point and actually it's that that middle ground isn't it between um I guess, reacting to the scenario that's making you feel like your CEO isn't leading by example, stepping back so you're seeing the full picture and it's not just a brash response. But also I'd probably add, we don't want to be leaving it weeks and weeks and letting them carry on with this behaviour because you know then you've got a whole new challenge. So there's a, there's a middle ground there to be found, isn't it, by getting that big picture but not reacting too quickly. Um, Raj, do you have any builds on what not to do? Yeah, I suppose, it, and it does build on, on April and, and Tom's point, is, is finding the right moment to have that conversation. So just as you shouldn't be having a kind of a water cooler chat about it with peers, also, I suppose it goes without saying, is you don't want to 
call it out in public just there and then. Uh, it obviously, it depends what it is, but most times that's not really going to be appropriate. You need to find that right opportunity to take the CEO aside and have that conversation, recognising what's on your CEO's plate and what, and finding that right moment in their calendar where they've got that headspace to, for that feedback and opportunity to kind of land properly, I think is really, really important. Yeah, yeah. So, so true. And I think it might be helpful to have a quick discussion around, you know, we don't know exactly from the question what is being defined as not leading by example, but perhaps we could throw out a couple of examples. Who who would would have an idea of what they would typically see as, as an occasion where a CEO might not be leading by example? Does anyone have any experience with this? So I'll start. So recently I had a conversation with... Uh, one of my clients and they were saying that their CEO this is before everyone had to work remotely um, would always leave the office at a particular time so they'll come in at 10 and they'll leave at three so they weren't able to do afternoon meetings which meant if there's something needed to be signed off they were not around so it would have to go into the next day Um, and they were really upset about it but they'd never spoken to the CEO or someone who works closely with the CEO, someone in the senior leadership team about this to see if there's a way that they could work together. And what came out of it was actually that that CEO had responsibilities at home that they had to take care of, which meant that that was the key time that they could be present for their team and work with their team. Doesn't mean they were switched off. It just meant that they had to be in a different place at that time. Now, that was probably a simple conversation that could have been had and could have been addressed. But that person was having those conversations with the wrong person, i.e. me, because I don't work with that CEO personally, right? But what I was able to do is coach them and say, well, have you spoken to the execs? Have you spoken to the right people who are in that person's bubble that can advise you on how to overcome this situation? So that was a, that was one of the ones where someone thought that that person wasn't leading by example because they were expecting their team to be working nine to six, but they weren't in the office nine to six. Interesting. I've got a, a similar but kind of opposite example where I received some feedback. So I had... Um, uh, some problems with my back uh, a few months ago. I had to go have emergency surgery uh, end of June, and and this is probably a classic trait of founder, kind of workaholic founder type things. So I pretty much after it was pretty serious back surgery, and within three days, I was kind of back into working. Now. I received the feedback from the leadership team and, and other people that, you know, are you really looking after yourself? Are you giving yourself the time to rest and whatnot? And, and it was a really valid point. Now, personally, I, as weird as it sounds, I genuinely find that I recover better when I go back into, and I was, I was you know, I was on a, on a, a different kind of work pattern and it was, it was a kind of a, a gradual phased in return, but I recognised what it might signal to other people based on that feedback, which is, you know, um, you're not giving yourself that time to fully rest and recover and you're coming back in things too early. So I, I'm just speaking from a personal example, I can imagine where that might have been interpreted a certain way. So then what I then did to address that was I did a, an open session with everyone where I explained my health issues, the way that I see life the way I have dealt with my recovery and how actually returning to some sense of normality earlier I feel genuinely helped my recovery to be faster and actually 
the doctor said, we're really surprised how quickly you recovered. I genuinely feel that my return into work actually helped me, but I also recognise that that's not expected from other people. So I think it's really important where, you know, the founder or CEO just may not be aware how their actions are being interpreted. And it's not from a place of malice or, as you say, as Naples example as well, really it's important to understand that and then then address it um, head on. And interestingly, in both those cases, actually some really good examples being set you know that first one being like you know prioritizing work-life balance and family commitments you know that everyone would love should love seeing their their ceo prioritizing their personal life as well as their work life that should be really positive positive. and similarly raj you prioritizing the way that you want to recover and i can totally empathize with my approach to maternity leave some people would have thought that actually taking four and a half months wasn't very long but for me the balance of both i was thriving as soon as i was back at work doing a bit of work that for me was a great combination so you do have to do you and actually there's a good examples for a ceo to set but interestingly that it could be perceived as not a great example if the wider exactly. context isn't there yeah. And Tom. Shane, you talked like the, the opening question for this bit was like, in what different ways can a CEO not lead by example? What is the the reality is your CEO is always gonna not be leading by example in some way. We heard there like two completely, completely opposite examples. Like my CEO is working too much, my CEO is not working enough. Like there's no one in the company who is under more scrutiny, who is more observed, and like the the path for leading by example is a very narrow one. And I don't know any CEO that doesn't find themselves on the wrong side of that at some point. So there are, you know, it, it's worth acknowledging that it's, that it's, that it's hard. Um, but I think the bit, the bit where you have to start getting really concerned is if your CEO is not leading by example in a way that's contrary to your values. Um, yeah. And so it's like something that I like to remind the CEOs that I've worked with is that whatever you do as CEO is amplified. Like you're, uh, you speak louder than you think you're speaking. You're remembered for longer than you intend than you plan to be remembered. And so like what you can do in terms of role modeling the values can be extraordinarily positive. Mm-hmm. And if there are times where you don't role model behaviors in, is in line with your, your values, then that can be really, really damaging. And it can, it can really, have a much bigger impact than you than you might have thought yeah brilliant brilliant and and also just oh, I, th- I feel like with this question it's not empathetic because a ceo is not a a, a superhuman they are human just <laughs> like all of us all of us make mistakes just like parents they make mistakes right and hindsight is a beautiful thing once you get there but it's a transition everyone is learning each day so yes they might do something that is not uh, aligned with your values today but if you if you let them know obviously we'll get into that and how you can let them know they will hopefully learn from that and also be empathetic that they are also learning because sometimes for a CEO that might be the first time they've ever been a CEO so as much as you want them to um, showcase this grand person and being they're also learning and that's tough because they are learning whilst running a business whilst keeping everything ticking whilst having a possibly a family life there's so many things going on for this person like give them a break for god's sake (laughs) they are human i agree i mean we'll come we'll come on to on how to approach these things i think the to play devil's advocate 
I think it is right to hold CEOs to high standards. Um, and and I all the CEOs I know would want to be held to high standards as well. So we'll, I absolutely agree. Empathy is really important. So we'll come on to, to what to do, but let's not let them off the hook too easily as well. No, you're, um, um, you're principal, Charlotte. Like you're there, you are there cheerleader at the right time and you're their harshest critic at the yeah. other time and you're the person that they trust to, to point out when they are not leading by example. Like that's what we're here for. Exactly. So that I think segues nicely into uh, how we would encourage people to to approach this situation. Um, Raj, I would love to start with you because you know, as a founder and CEO, if this was someone in your team, as as kind of they did, how would you want them to to approach you? You, you spoke before about finding the right moment. What what would you like to to receive? So firstly, it's worth saying one of our values is, is in a lot of startup is around radical candor. So we we, rec- we recommend people and encourage people to speak up and, and be free with their with their feedback. Uh, and so I and, and then I acknowledge it in real time as well. So when I receive feedback, whether that be through Slack, whether that be on a call in a one to one, everyone also in the company has these empathy guides. So generally you write up, how do you like to receive feedback? And, and I've, in my one, it's just like, you know, I really don't mind. So it could be written, it could be verbal, it could be, you know, straight away, it could be now one-to-one. I, I prefer things to be as close to that moment as possible. So you don't wait for a whole month for a chat and then I've forgotten what it is that I did. And then when I receive the feedback, I then acknowledge it. So we have a channel on Slack called High Fives and I actually say, oh, uh, high five to X person for giving me this feedback, and and then it actually acts as a as a motivation incentive for other people. So, oh, this is good that Raj actually is welcoming this feedback. Um, some of the other things that we do in in our company is that we have this open three hundred and sixty process. So twice a year, as we do three hundred and sixties, um, I get everyone in the company to give me feedback, and then I share all of that feedback verbatim to everyone else talking about what have I learned, what what did you say to me last time round, what have I learned and what did I do then, what have I heard from you this time round and what do I plan to do moving forward. Uh, and that is also a good forum for people to, they can see that they're, obviously it's all anonymized. I don't even know who said what, but they can see that their feedback has been heard, it's been received by me and how I'm kind of responding to that. So I'd say those are, are, are some 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 tactics that we've we've employed but generally it's about creating that psychological safety so people feel that they can speak to you or it could be using your employee engagement survey tool if you have one and again that's something that's more regular where you can use that if you don't feel comfortable directly addressing the 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 ceo so what i really like about the the points that you've made there is that it's a baking in feedback as part of a culture that touches everyone, that includes everyone, but actively uh, what you're doing is working to make sure that people know you are included and play by the same rules. So therefore you are open to feedback in the same way everyone else is and should be and are acknowledging that you have received it in the in the way that you also want other people to acknowledge their own feedback and celebrate the receiving of feedback. That's that's great. Because my, my guess is most CEOs don't get much feedback. No. Um, like no. most CEOs work, like just by nature of their position, not even by as a result of their style, or some of it comes potentially from their like decision-making power and people's desire not to <laughs> upset them, don't get, don't get loads of feedback and probably really, um, really miss out. 
because of that. So yeah, Raj, I, I love the stuff that you've done to like instill that as a culture. Yeah. So what do you think we on this podcast we should dispel the myth that yeah, CEOs don't want feedback. I think obviously we can come onto maybe more extreme scenarios, but generally, if your CEO is a what we would who would what you would class as a as a nice, you know, fairly approachable person, more often than not, they'll be really appreciative for that feedback because they often don't get it as much as you think they might and will want it more than you think they do. Absolutely. If you're a CEO in general, you're a learner. Not yeah. always. <laughs> But like in general, you're at some point in your career, you're doing something you've not known how to do. At some point in your career, you've been a CEO for the first time. And if you're still doing it, you've either you've either been good at it or um, you're doing it for the first time and haven't had the chance to fail at it. So in any of those things, you're somebody who learns fast and is open to learning. And the best, the the like best learning enabler is, is feedback. And just to come on that, feedback. You know, if you're giving feedback to your CEO, it gives them an opportunity to make more informed decisions when they're thinking about how they're going to scale the team or implement anything that would affect the business and the people. So if you're working in an organisation that really fosters the idea of being a people-centric business, then yes, giving feedback will help your, your CEO and the exec team know what they can do to support people yeah april i'm going to come back to you um, and using your coaching uh, ability because not all ceos will be super approachable um and you know maybe their behavior is not quite as you know maybe misunderstood maybe it's quite obviously not leading by example and borderline inappropriate um and i i I'm aware that probably it's our listeners that could be in the role to other person that is responsible for maybe addressing that with the CEO on behalf of other people's comments. And what what advice would you give to someone that is needing to feedback and point out behaviour to a yeah a slightly less receptive uh, leader? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, and I think Raj touched upon this, is understanding their motivations and understanding how they like to receive feedback. Because if you're speaking to somebody and you don't know how they're going to um, take the feedback, then already you failed at the first hurdle. So really understanding how they would receive feedback is so important. And that might be from um, speaking with a, a sponsor, what I call a sponsor, that's somebody that works quite closely with that CEO, that might be um, someone in the exec team, that might be even their personal assistant, whoever you have identified that really has a regular conversation with that CEO, have a conversation with them and actually outline what you want to gain. So it's not, again, having that water cooler conversation, but it's again saying, look, I have experienced X, Y, Z with A. Um, I want to address them on ABC. I've thought about approaching them in this way. What are your thoughts? Right. So you've outlined the situation, you've outlined how you feel like you will approach it and you're asking for their you're asking for their feedback on the best way to approach it. And once they've given you their their opinion, again, it's their opinion. Take go back and analyze like what do you want to get out of this? Is it a case you want a changed 
behavior? Is it a case that you want to give feedback in terms of speaking on behalf of someone or speaking for yourself? Really outline if this is your personal feedback or it's a feedback that you're giving generally. Because if you go in with the we, we feel like this, but actually it's just you, you've already allowed the CEO to think, actually, this is a lot of people, but it may not be everybody. It may just be you. So again, thinking about the language that you use to give that feedback. And then on the other side, when you when you followed up with that CEO, um, again, how you address it. Don't go in with, this is what you're doing wrong, X, Y, Z. It's saying, this is the stuff that we lo- I love what you do. This is what you're doing great. There's just some things that I've seen that have changed and not outline the person's personality, but outline the situation. So not making it too personal, but outlining what the actual situation is. So again, you're not um, kind of addressing someone's personality and breaking that down, but you're addressing the situation and seeing how you can move forward with that. So that would be my advice. That's great advice. And actually, it made me think of a really well-known, it's actually used more in in children and teaching, but absolutely works just as well for adults. (laughs) Aren't we all children still at heart? Um, Is the the emphasis on, you do have to point out the the problematic behaviour. It's important to label that. Actually, it's much healthier to put most emphasis on the new behaviour that you want to see in replacement of that. And actually, overall, that makes the tone of the conversation much more palatable. You know, do the stingy, nasty, bit at the beginning and then you can move on to the encouraging here's what would be great to see yeah tom let's yeah, say you, desperate. Um, uh, yeah i think i was sometimes you just have to be really direct with the with like what has happened or how something's been received so like you know your presentation at the company meeting that you were really excited about and spent ages on went down like an absolute lead balloon for example um, like you just need to, you just need to be able to deliver that message. It some, it sometimes helps me to couch it in a like, I'm sorry to have to say this, or I think you're not going to want to hear this. But, but at least you, um, you kind of preface that you're going to be the the bearer of some bad news, and that helps you land the message. But mostly, uh, in my experience, CEOs are are like grateful for you if you're the person who is who is bringing that up. It's much more difficult if what you're bringing up is a personal judgment, um, you know, I have observed you over time and I think that this thing that you consistently do is damaging the business in this way. Um, But there, I think being really clear about the impact and it's just like with any conversation about feedback, focusing on the impact that whatever it is, is, is having on the business is the thing that's going to get your CEO really interested in fixing it. Uh, the con- the consequence of the on the business that's you know, th- obviously the thing they they care a, hu- a huge amount about. Um, you've both touched upon some real subtleties there, April, talking about the the specific we versus I in language. Um, are there any more specific bits of advice, whether it's kind of framing, potentially using the company values as a reference point, or um, any kind of tone of voice pieces that we can we can give our listeners some guidance on? Yeah. Um, so I think Tom framed that really nicely about taking it back to the impact. And that's the way you can link the company values to that. Um, so there's a, a really good model in terms of, it's called the CBI model. So it's the situation, the behavior and the impact. So you're outlining the situation, you're talking about the behavior, and then you're talking about the impact that it has on the business. And if it is a personal thing that is bothering you, then maybe you can align 
that to how that's impacting you as a person and in your role. Um, in terms of how to deliver the what you're going to say, I love the way, Tom, um, you kind of go off and say, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. In some situations, it might be difficult to deliver that. Um, in that way, depending on the relationship that you have with the CEO and also dependent on the role that you have within the business. Um, so I, all, I always urge if you're not in a position where you feel confident or have that personal relationship with the CEO, then do look for an exec sponsor. So that's one side. The other side as well, I've personally been given feedback on the way that I can give feedback. Um, I can be super candid and sometimes I can say things in the heat of the moment. So what I have learned to do and I've coached my team to do that is to write, write everything that you want to say in an email. So we pop it in an email and then I schedule it to be sent back to myself at a random time. So let's say I want to give feedback to my CEO today and I'm like, right, I know the best time to catch him is at four o'clock. I'm going to schedule that email, write the email, schedule it to myself in the next half an hour, but not really remember the time that I'm scheduling at. Once I receive that email, I'm going to read it and see if the tone hits me and makes me feel like, oh my goodness, is this how... I want this person to receive it. So it allows me to actually test the language that I'm using, what I'm trying to say, and does it make sense? And once I feel confident that it makes sense, the way I've articulated myself will not make someone feel um, like it's a personal attack, then I would address the situation with my CEO. So that's, that's a really good way of just... Getting a sense check if what you're saying is in the best way you you want to deliver it. I think one other approach, which is a bit more, it's more kind of long term and subtle, is really recognizing the kind of good behavior and attitude, whether it be of the CEO or more broadly in the company. I mentioned obviously that the kind of high five channel, we use that a lot, or just, just recognizing where people have really led by example. And then this is obviously a massive um assumption you'd assume and hope that your CEO is highly emotionally intelligent and recognize that maybe they never get a mention in that channel and maybe what they're doing doesn't get recognized and they might be thinking oh, oh I see all these other examples of people uh, no one really calls out anything that I'm doing and so that is obviously it's a longer term strategy it assumes that the CEO is emotionally intelligent which you know you would hope that they are uh, but that could be a, a, a different tact to to really re- and also it's good for the whole company to to see okay these people are these other people are also leading by example what do we actually mean by that so it just helps reinforce the values of the company as well. Raj, there's an even longer term uh, action you can do that you prompted me to think of. I used to be managed by a person called Helena Innocent, who herself is an amazing coach. Did a lot of coaching with CEOs, and she would always start by coaching them on what they they want their legacy to be. What do they want? What long-term impact do they want to have on the business? That's the first coaching question. And then you should go into talking about, well, how do you want to do that? And you, you get a series of like, I don't know, leadership values, I guess, that your CEO is, sets out. And you can then use that to hold them to account. So yeah. instead of like waiting to have the feedback conversation when there's something wrong, you can then when something does go wrong, you can you can go back to that agreement and, and say we you know when we talked about your leadership goals you said you wanted to be this kind of ceo feels to me like this thing that you just did doesn't line up with that should we talk about what's going on here 
Um, but that's like even longer time. Guys, that is, there are so many good stuff there and we are, there's so much good stuff there and we're pretty much out of time. Um, I feel like we could have gone on for at least another half an hour. Um, so I guess some key takeaways um, in terms of what not to do, don't act emotionally uh, or reactively dealing with this stuff. It is important. It is sensitive. So take a minute. Um, but do absolutely feed it back and share share that feedback with the CEO. Uh, try not to leave it too long was one of the, the points that we had, um, but potentially find an appropriate uh, exec sponsor maybe if you need that, that access as well to get. Um, but importantly, whether you use them um, or do it yourself, find that appropriate moment, um, frame the feedback in, in terms of, in a way that matters to them, whether it's impact on business or their, their personal legacy goals, like Tom just said. Um, and, and finally, Raja's point was, you know, emphasize the positive behavior, really encourage the good stuff you want to see as well. Um, so heaps of good stuff. I hope it's helped our, our listener, uh, who, who wrote in and also, um, anyone else listening today. Um, but that is how you handle your CEO, not leading by example. Um, do let us know if that has helped you and leave us a review and share the wisdom um so that is all we have time for big thank you to tom raj and april and to our producers mel and ben it was a pleasure as always i've been charlotte hamill your host and this has been there's this thing at work thanks for listening and have a wonderful week 